Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. That sound, you hear that once every year. You know what that means? Halloween's over. Ah! But Thanksgiving's coming. Are you thankful for something? It doesn't matter, because guess what? You're going to eat way too much, and then go to Walmart and beat somebody to death for a, a small discount on the TV, because that's, that's America. <laughs> Anyways, we've got a great show for you tonight, uh, per the usual, because uh, my guest is far better than me, because, you know, that's how it works, right? Wow. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah, well, yeah, well. Okay. Okay. Anyways, um, yeah, so we got a great guest tonight. Uh, I'm sure you can figure out who it is from the title of the episode, but we got, we got a slightly thing we got to do real quick. And it's this. Go check out the Libertarian Party Veterans Caucus. Leading veterans to libertarian solutions, leading libertarians to veteran issues. Because I just had to do it backwards. If you want... If you're, you're like, man, I'm cold this year, you know, it's 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 concealed carry season, I got my hoodie, but you need a t-shirt to go into that, because otherwise it'll chafe and, like, your nipples fall off, and it's a whole thing. So, you should totally go over to notarealpodcast.com and catch you some of this sweet merch, like, ban exorcisms, life begins at possession. Fantastic shirts. So good, even. I'm wearing one, because this is, like, one of my favorite gym shirts. And uh, you got these. Boom. Ban assault government. There's nothing more dangerous in your life than assault government. We, sh- we need common sense government regulation, government control. We need a government magazine ban. Just ban their magazines. Also, check out Bootleg and Susie. Just BSing on Sundays uh, if we're not getting actively kicked off of YouTube. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, go check it out. It's a lot of fun. We uh, we try and experiment with different content. Um, last last time before we got kicked off, we were doing a football commentation, and apparently the NFL has an absolute control over YouTube. So, like if they can smell a game on in the room, yeah, like, like if they can smell you watching, having watched football recently, content gone. It's like a it's like a really jealous spouse. They can smell the football on you. Also. If you're on YouTube, and you should be, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, hit the notification bell, because guess what? If you don't subscribe or hit the notification bell, you'll never know when we're live. And we've got tons of great guests, like the one tonight, that you should always listen to. And I think, uh, you know, okay, go to nonalrealpodcast.com, redemptiontactical.com, because if you're like, hey, I need a mask. It's, it's Halloween's over, but I need a real mask. You can get you a ballistic face mask. Why not? Looks like a hockey mask. It's a ballistic face mask. ProLibertarian.com does all of our merch. They're awesome. Go check them out. And that's it. That's all I got for you. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, so I've got an amazing guest on tonight. Um, I want to say we've had we've had some really big guests on the show before, but I think he's probably going to be the most recognizable guest we've ever had. Um, 
just from all the memes, all the photos, all the news coverage, I think he will absolutely be the most I, I household have name in the caption, like one of the most well-known photos in recent history. So, and it's a it's an amazing photo. <laughs> I mean, look, we're gonna pull it up real quick because it's it's an amazing photo. Um, why why should I show you the actual guy sitting here when I can show you his photo? That's a great photo. I don't know what you can tell me. That's an amazing photo. I would have that like above my mantle in like giant print. I'll just sit there and watch the world fall apart looking at that photo. But anyways, uh, enough about that. The man, the myth, the legend, and the hair, lectern guy. How are you doing, sir? Hey, thanks for having me on. Quite a quite an introduction you got from over there. <laughs> hey look i'm just saying i I watched that coverage uh live and the best part of it was watching you walk out of that building with that lecture and i was like that is <sighs> so i actually never left the building with that piece of furniture <sighs> i know i know a lot of people they have that uh that misconception it was sitting uh in the rotunda it's not a corner probably like at 20 degrees in the first quadrant and then i moved it 20 yards to the center of the room gave a short speech left it there never left with it oh so that's all so like that photo is literally you just moving it to the other side of the room uh-huh that's it about 20 yards that's the entire photo and i was charged with federal theft for moving property 20 yards See, that's wild. I don't know how you can like charge someone for theft for moving something. It's because is... of the yeah, it's because of the speech. They said if you um the law is written if you convert someone else's property for your own benefit or purpose or intention, you can be charged with it. Mm. So it's like if I were to take your car and drive 20 yards down the road to I don't know, put mail in a mailbox, I would have stolen your car. I could be arrested for stealing your car. That's how they justify it. Wow. I mean, but they can sit there and justify 30% of every dollar that you make um, and then giving it to whoever they want to, but don't move our furniture. <laughs> hey, at least we won the war in Ukraine, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 it's kind of like how we won Afghanistan. <sighs> yeah, or any war we ever start and don't finish. You know, it's 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 so hard. Like, it, I understand that at some point we do have to <sighs> never be engaged in active wars. I, I don't think we should ever be in wars that we're not actually involved in. If U.S. soil is not broken, I don't really understand why we have an issue with it, right? I understand allies in other countries and things like that, and some injustice is done, and it's important to make sure that superpowers don't rise, but this Ukraine thing has never made sense to me at all. At all. Yeah, you're, you you got to be careful what you're saying. It almost sounds like you're saying national defense should be about protecting the nation, our nation, mm -hmm. and not someone else's nation. That's almost what you're saying. No, it's exactly, exactly what I'm saying. It's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> I imagine the hundred billion dollars that we sent overseas to a country that's not even NATO aligned to our southern border instead, what we could have done to secure our own country. I imagine even, what that might have looked just like. Just put clean water in Flint, Michigan. I mean, that's that's definitely it should be a priority. Are they still drinking uh toxic waste or yep? Hmm. Hmm. 
That's nice. Your tax dollars actually, at work. <laughs> there are actually 12 semi-major cities that don't have clean drinking water. People either have to boil it first or buy bottled water. 12. Mm-hmm. That's insane. But yet, and that's just Ukraine that's just what we hear. Billion. That's that's just what we hear too. You look at some of these cities that are 100 years old, you know, New York City and stuff. I mean, their infrastructure is falling apart. It's falling apart. You've seen the videos of the sidewalks collapsing and these pipes that are just rusting out. And I think I saw it was some New York person that was in charge of these things. They said, well, we can't we can't fix these things. It would take $100 billion to fix these things or some ridiculous number. But if we really want to make a change, we need to focus on the climate impact we're having. And this is what he said as their infrastructure is falling apart under their feet. And I'm convinced the reason we see so many illegals being brought into these cities is because what Mayor, Bla Mayor de Blasio said, and he said this, we're trying to reduce the property values in New York so the city can buy them back at a cheaper cost. And then, lo and behold, you have all these people who are skilled laborers you brought in to fix your substructure that makes the city run. I think it's the whole design. I might be a little biased in this, but it is funny watching Democrats completely pivot on their own stances. Like, so New York has always been, or at least for the majority of my life, a big proponent of open immigration and we should allow open the border. It's <laughs> it, That's nice when you're tucked up between U.S. states and Canada, which is like the 51st state. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's different when, when it's Texas, which is thousands of miles away. But then all of a sudden, Texas starts putting them in your backyard, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden now it's a problem. And uh, didn't I think I think I read an article the other day that New York has actually started buying bus tickets for anywhere but New York. They said they will pay for you to leave the state. Yes, I'm like, hey, it's fine when you do it, but everyone else did it, and you were pissed off about it. And they've got a rich history, you know. People came to New York. There are many families from Europe. They're on the boats. They come over, and they have a rich history, and that's they want to capture that, and, like relive that, but. It's this is a different game. These are not just people coming across the border. It's multiple countries that are infiltrating from the southern border. You look at what's going on with the Palestinian protests over there right now, too. It's it's I don't know. I was I grew up during 9-11, you know, mm. and we saw the planes hit towers and then a building. It didn't hit, but it also collapsed. And then another place in the Pentagon that also kind of collapsed, but no plane. Um, but we saw this, we saw this, um, this movement to like, you know, America, we're going to come together and we're going to stand against, you know, the terrorists. And we labeled them Islam, you know, we labeled them, you know, this is the, all of these nations are awful. So we're going to go to war with them. And then we spent 20 years doing that. And then now we see New York having pro Palestine marches in the street. And it's, it's interesting to me because I don't really have a, a dog in this fight, left or right. What's going on in the Middle East right now? It's it's kind of like, well, it's a two thousand year war. I don't think we're going to settle it with doing anything at all. It's not our. It's not really our fights. We have things going on here, but it's interesting to see New York popping off right now with these protests. It's like, well, are we advocating for these things for genocide in one direction, not the other? Because I was always instructed that genocide's always bad, but that's New York. That's New York. That used to be ground zero 20 years ago. 
Yeah, and, and speaking of that, I mean, there are still, you know, first responders who ran into those buildings who are still suffering from medical conditions that nobody's helping them medically with. Um, they're mm-hmm. they're unemployed and just, you know, having to go off of Medicare, Medicaid or whatever it is, because nobody's helping them. And it yes. took almost, what, 10 years for the city of New York to sit there and actually give out money to these families to help them. And it wasn't much. No, it wasn't. It's the same thing with Hawaii. And what did we send, like $700 after all these fires happened? Per person, yep. I, I think it was like 700 bucks. But again, $100 billion to Ukraine. And now we have forces going into the Gaza Strip to what slow the war between the two so one side can recoup. And I, I, what, what is this? What is this, right? Meanwhile, Americans are suffering. And it's people... I think my biggest issue is I don't have a dog in any of these fights outside of my country because I go to the store. My grocery bill was $3,000 in July for my family. It was twice my mortgage. We don't have money to be considering what's going on in the rest of the world. What's going on right here, right now is what matters because we're Americans. This is our, this is our country. And if we're not defending, like, God, even, even the ability to feed our own children what are we doing? There's nothing else to talk about until we take care of ourselves first. And it's like you, you'll hear people joke, like, you know, what country do we have to invade to get my groceries to go down? <laughs> but I mean, to a lot of Americans, that's all that matters. They can't afford. I mean, hell, it, who knows when I'll be able to afford a damn house because everything's so <laughs> crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, groceries are insane. Fuel's insane. I mean, we're doing we're doing everything but making sure people can survive in this country. And we talk about, you know socialist programs like that's the solve <laughs> the solve all for all of it but why don't we just stop doing the shit that makes everything so expensive and people can survive yeah we just keep yeah. printing money and it's i think it was in across the past four years 40 percent of all money in circulation was printed yep we're gonna have this fallout and this is a, it's been a long time coming we saw the 08 collapse with the housing market yeah we're all we're old enough to remember that right and I remember talking to a buddy of mine a couple of years ago, and I was like, oh, no, they'll do it again. And he's like, oh, there's no way they'll ever do that. It'll never happen. And I'm like, no, they got a, they got away with it. <laughs> like, there is a formula. They'll just do it again because there were no real repercussions because the banks were all bailed out and the people lost their homes. Yep. That's what happened. And listen, a lot of these people were idiots for taking out these arm loans. Like, no, you're not going to make 30% more money three years from now. But they're also products of public education that didn't teach them basic economics and how money works, how investing works, and how you should plan your finances. So both parties are responsible, but they're just going to keep doing it until less and less people own things and less and less people have the ability to survive. Like, I don't know what I'm going to tell my kids what they should do because college used to be an answer. It used to be like, no, once you get a four-year degree, you stand a chance to make 30% more than anyone else without that. That's no longer true. Now you can't find a job with that degree and you have debt on top of it. And it's not a debate like, should we pay off student loans? No, you went, you took a loan out, like pay your debts. That's how this works. However, why are we still sending our kids to college? If it's not, what's going to give them jobs in the future? I mean, I'm, well, my, I've got two boys, um, and when as they get older, I'm gonna push them into welding. 
you can make <laughs> three to four hell you can make 10 grand a week just welding on pipelines and you know it's it's a it's a rambling kind of life but i mean in reality it's good money i know guys who are retired at 40 at, in their late 40s from welding because they made so much money one guy lives down the road from us and he owns a car dealership now he started off as just just some podunk welder and he worked his way up because that's that's the reality of blue collar anymore. You make mm-hmm. real money doing that. You spend what twenty grand at most on trade school learning how to weld, versus a hundred grand for like yes. a doctorate or something. So, yep. My wife's a physician, so she has a, or she had it was almost three hundred thousand dollars in student loans, which is that's a lot of that's a lot of money. And then um, we're not paid off yet because that's a lot of money. That's and a house. It's it's a it's a mortgage payment. It's a mortgage payment. And then when they went through here and during COVID, they told everyone, don't pay your loans off. You know, no interest rates. That's fine. We kept paying ours because we didn't meet that bracket to not pay them. So when everything settled, what Congress did was raise them by four and a half percent, which is what I saw. So our payment went from it was like thirteen hundred a month to almost two thousand dollars a month overnight. So all these people who didn't have to pay, now we're paying back what they didn't pay. And we did the right thing all the way through. But this is how the government works. You will be punished for doing the right thing over and over and over again because they want you to just they don't they don't want you to succeed. I think the entire purpose of where we're driving right now is to diminish the middle class and have a two-class system. Because a middle class is capable of what your friend is doing, right? He was a welder. Now he has a dealership. He's developing generational wealth. Generational wealth makes influential change past a single generation. They can't have that anymore. And that's really what they're trying to stop with all of the economics economics they're doing right now. We can't have people leaving money for their kids to continue to grow wealth to make change because the nepotism of Hiring your son to be an artist to sell, you know, art to China for fifty thousand dollars a pop—that'll all go away. Or sitting on the board of a Ukrainian energy company for no other mm. reason than your dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it really just does come down to the simple fact that it's here's here's the really impressive thing about this government, right? It is two sides of the same coin, and they work effectively together. They divide and conquer. You, you hear Republicans scream about, you know, abortion or something like that. And the Democrats scream about something else. And they keep finding things to divide people on so they can absolutely control the population to like, just do whatever we say. We'll protect you from those dirty Republicans or those dirty, dirty Democrats. And and people will. Like, I know I know actual people in real life. If a Democrat told them to jump off a fucking bridge, they would seriously think about doing it because they thought it would end racism mm-hmm. or some shit. I mm-hmm. mean, it's. It's crazy. I mean, just watching this stuff, and and the sad thing is, a lot of people don't realize how bad that is. Like, they don't realize that they're stuck in these systems, and it's just I I try to wake them up, but man, it's just some people just love it too much, too. Well, I think it's because people feel like if I have a party, I'm voting a team along the way, right? Mm-hmm. And then I have skin in the game because it's a recognized party, and at least I'm winning a little bit if I vote, you know. For the for the elephant versus the donkey based on you know wherever wherever you land but these arguments they do it's like five things right so it's like gun control it's abortion it's health care it's immigration and 
God, climate change now, I guess, is the thing we're talking about. It used to be about drugs, but I guess everyone does drugs now, so who cares? But you we've got these we've got these um five things we argue about. And I don't think we argue about the actual thing that matters because look, people are gonna have abortions whether you want them to or not. Right? Yeah. People are gonna choose their own pronouns whether you like it or not, and you don't have to use them. Like the the, the things we argue about are very very silly and small. It's very silly and small, but they are infuriating. They are. Because it's like, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that you are a woman when you're obviously not by every metric that we've used since the dawn of time. It is infuriating, but that's that's the goal of it, right? That's the goal of it. It's divide and conquer. Yeah, and it's I, I think it comes down to very simple things. Are you able to take care of your family? Are you able to take care of your family? Because at the end of the day, we can talk about all that superfluous, superficial things, but at the end of it, it's, it's you want to get married, you want to have kids, you want to raise a family. Like that is your greatest purpose. That is your greatest assign. Whether you're an atheist or a religious person, that is your function. That is your calling. As an atheist, you're you're meant to to repopulate, right? That's it's a it's a biological thing we do. As a, I'm a Christian, as a Christian, it is a blessing to be able to be married and have children. So either way you look at it, that is the most significant thing you do with your life. And that's the only thing we should be talking about. Can I raise a family? And are the people in charge making it that I can do that? True. So I would be... uh doing my audience a disservice if we don't talk about it um so january 6th obviously the worst thing that's ever happened to america depending on who you listen to it's worse it was worse when jesus died obviously um so pearl harbor is a close second yeah pearl harbor is a close second uh right behind 9-11 as well um yes so Mm -hmm. um (laughs) but um walk us through like like Obviously, we hear whatever, you know, the system wants you to hear. But, like, realistically, on that day, what was it like? Was it this pandemonium and chaos that they say it was? Or was it actually just people walking around and doing things? I, um, I, I've said it a bunch of times, but it's there were two groups of people there, right? And the more video footage that comes out, and there's uh, Julie Kelly, uh, Free State Will. If you don't follow them, you really should. These people do some some deep investigation work into what actually happened that day. They're constantly reviewing videotape and trying to figure out what actually happened. It's a large building. I'm an individual. I can't tell you who started the fire. I can tell you things happened, right? From my perception, what happened outside is that there was a moment where it was very peaceful and then it was not. I remember I was standing with people. No one's pushing against cops. We're we're near the building. We're just sitting there saying, we don't like what's going on. Like a protest is supposed to happen, right? Like a peaceful protest. There's a moment that a canister flies out overhead, lands a couple yards from my feet, and it's a concussion grenade. So blasts, there's gas everywhere. And what happens is it forces the front half of the crowd forward and the other half of the crowd backwards. Because when you put a concussion grenade in the middle of a crowd, you're going to have this... this um, Disbursement disbursement right and it's going to be you know concentric around that center point it's going to just map out well it caused a lot of people to go forward into riot shields which then kicked off what's what was the majority of the violence that day 
of what I saw, right? So again, I don't know why this thing happened and maybe they were trying to disperse the crowd and they were within their rights of doing this because they needed them to leave. It's the capital. I'm not going to draw lines on this, but the majority of violence I saw happened from that. Inside was a completely different thing. There was zero violence inside the entire time. These people were peaceful. They were walking around. From what I saw, they weren't breaking things, breaking down doors. These were not the groups of people that were inside. So the story of the people that were inside were trying to do violent, malicious acts, that is completely not true. 95% of what I saw happened outside, not inside. But 95% of the footage that we see that is violent is from the outside because they don't release the footage from the inside. Yeah, I mean, for what it sounds like, it's just a random concussion grenade that you can just buy at your Dick's Sporting Goods, landed at someone's feet, and caused, you know, things to happen. I mean, look, we can't say the federal government's done that because they've never done anything <laughs> similar. They've never started a fire. They've, they've never started any kind of violence. They've never incited it. Um, but it was it was it was interesting to see how quick the uh, the spin was. Um, to say, you know, talk about how violent it was and this and that while we had just watched the the quote unquote summer of love as we had seen, you know, entire yep. family generations of hard work in these stores being burnt down in cities across the U.S. But what you guys did, that was obviously violent. And it's and not just in Kenosha and Minneapolis. It also happened in D.C. They set the White House lot on fire. They set a church on fire. Dozens of Secret Service members were injured. Their vehicles were set on fire as well. We don't talk about these things. Protest in D.C. is very common. It's very, very common. Uh, there was a Palestinian movement that just charged the Capitol, right? Stormed the Capitol a couple of weeks ago. I haven't heard about any arrests or prosecutions or no-knock warrants being sought out for all of these people because it's, 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 it's just different. They need to give a boogeyman. And we get into this habit of labeling terrorists, you know, whatever brand of flavor that is, you know, for the next week when we lose our acts from a Patriot Act, it's we need to get out of the habit of that. Like there are individuals who are who are not great, but to generalize an entire group of people based on a belief, we have to stop doing that. Yeah. And because because when you when you villainize someone to the point where they're no longer human, it allows you to do inhuman things to them. And we've seen this in you know, a certain German population yes. group in the 40s and 30s mm -hmm. that were able to villainize another ethnic group of people and were able to do monstrous things to them because they seen them as subhuman through just absolute hatred for these people. And I'm not saying every every German was like that, but that's how they convinced people to go along mm -hmm. with it. That's how they convinced people to actually do these things. And we did that in the U.S. during the same time period with Japanese Americans. People were so afraid of the Japanese and hate like the hatred mm -hmm. that they created with all the propaganda. Nobody gave a shit that they locked up Japanese families, women, children, unarmed men, all these people that were cramming into cages and how many of them died. I mean, thousands of them with, with hatred and disdain for these people. So when you see these things and they try to villainize humans based on political beliefs or even just like wrong place, wrong time, it's the most disgusting thing because it's an assault from your government on, on, on a peaceful population. Yes. And we, I mean, but this is, this is our history though. And we, we do cheer on violence. It's kind of ingrained to us because it's about beating the bad guys. And we yep. just, we label entire groups as bad people. And it's, it's a slippery slope. It is like, I mean, 
how many Democrats, and this is the craziest thing to me. We talk about what happened in Russia and Ukraine and how many liberals were fine with war overnight. Overnight. Like, no, like all of Russia is bad. And if we have to, if we have to kill all of them, that's fine because that's the right thing to do. And then you have what happened in Israel. And you have people who support Israel very fervently saying we have to kill all the Palestines. Like, well, not all of the Palestines, Palestinians did this. There's a group of them who are assholes. Like, and you, you're tactical enough and intelligent of an army large enough to go hunt them down. And you should because those people are assholes, right? But we're bombing children at the end of this in both sides. And people are cheering on the bombing of children. And I, I can't support that. I can't support that. I don't, I don't think that the loss of children life is something we should just tacitly sit by and say, well, it's for the greater good. It's never for the greater good. Killing children is never for the greater good ever. It's never. Um, so here's the, here's the interesting thing, right? The whole Palestine Israel thing is, is 100% you can tell America's fingerprints are on it because the U S has a long standing history of creating its own enemies. Um, the Palestine Israel thing comes from a long, long history of them just going at it. I, I can't tell you where it started. I don't think anyone can. As long as there have been Christians and Muslims and Jews in the Middle East, they've always been at war. They've always been fighting. And I'm not going to say wish I started, but one side gains power. They oppress the other. And then that side gains power, oppresses the other. And it's just, it's a back and forth. And, and it's kind of like this, right? Like it, World War II, stemmed from world war one it was the atrocities that we left europe with and japan with after world war one it's we created our own enemy for example your kids will grow up having known what the government did to you and how they treated you so poorly and your neighbors will see this and it, it, what it does is it creates this not even radicalism it's like this this wait this awakening of people around you showing you know who is the true villain? Is it some guy who gives you know cares deeply about children and his family, works hard, or is it the people who have set actual buildings on fire with children in it? Yes, and it's but it's but again, I don't get to write the history books. I will be talked no. about in whatever manner they choose to write the books. You know, I guess whatever side wins. But I, do you think that's as true anymore though with the internet? It's uh, it's it's sticky. So we definitely have a little more freedom on X or Twitter, it's Twitter, than we've had in other social media platforms. We've seen that the FBI, CIA has been very involved in the communications that we've been able to witness here and, and see over the past, I guess, 50 years since Operation Mockingbird. And Twitter is kind of breaking away from all of that. And you see these, you see, I saw an article from ABC that Twitter is basically dead now. And it's like, I don't think so. They have more signups every month and more people are active on Twitter than anything else. And Facebook or Meta just keeps dying every month because people know when they're not getting information. And whether you want to hear the right or left-hand side of it, you're going to find the place where you can hear it, right? Not some watered-down version because people are thirsty, they're hungry. I do think we will see an advent of more free information, and I think we're definitely living that now. I just I don't know where the end of that road is going to go. Because I do see us entering a lot more tumultuous times than we had before. We now have two superpowers. There'll be a third that's going to be involved. I am suggesting within six months, this is China, right? 
So we talk about the UAE, we talk about Iran, we talk about Russia, we talk about China. These are major energy producers, and they're all talking about getting in petrodollar. We get this president in office who's talking about climate change and stuff, and the petrodollar's going away. And I think we're going to have three superpowers that we're fighting against very, very soon because we have to reestablish our nuts. And how can you, how can you? teach Americans we need this war if they're freely talking about our history. Because typically when we have our wars, we're all in it together. This is 9-11 again, right? This is Vietnam. This is, this is every war I've ever done. People have access to information. Like we know why we're going to war. We're not, we're not stupid. We're not misinformed now. We're actually over-informed. Are they going to shut that down? Can they shut that down? I don't think they can but I don't think they're going to stop either. So we can have all the information we want, but does it really stop the war machine? Well, it doesn't because people aren't pissed off enough yet. It's not bad enough here for people to care. And, it, and it's sad to say, because most Americans, even like, you know, poverty stricken Americans live better than 70% of the world. And that's not bullshit. You think of how many nations are absolutely poverty stricken and they're wealthy. Their upper class is middle class here. So even in the United States, you know, even like even, you know, poverty stricken homes, you know, people have cell phones, they have laptops, they have all these things, all these luxury devices. You don't need a cell phone to survive. You don't need a laptop to survive. But when things get so bad that people just cannot even have nice luxury things, like mm -hmm. not even the smallest of things, people become desperate. When, when food becomes so scarce that they can't eat, when it becomes so expensive they can't eat, that's when people will finally, unfortunately, finally be ready to do something. And like you said, they know what's going on, but they're too lazy or they just don't care. And, uh, and it is, it's unfortunate, but I really do. I, I think I'm a little bit, this is, I think, one of the few areas where I'm optimistic. I think with the advent of the internet, it is impossible to stop data. They can try manipulating, mm -hmm. they can try to push different narratives, but you can't actually stop it. Um, like, because I mean, shows like Joe Rogan, for example, you see how many millions of people around the world watch that or listen to it. And he's he's espousing things that are an, openly anti-government, and people are listening to it like, "Holy shit, he's right." Well, it's it's, it's saying, um, I think, I think most people do have a common mindset. I think most people are populists because our culture, like, there's this uh, idea in psychology where relatedness brings us all together, and people want to have relatedness. We want to have common ideas and kind of believe. In, in the same, it's important to note that the Jews and Muslims can get along and form treaties like Israel and Egypt. Yes, they absolutely can. Why don't they? There's a whole Netanyahu backstory with this, and I won't get into all of that. I'm not a, I'm not a foreign war expert, but I know that war is profitable and that it keeps people in charge because you got to keep the experts in charge. This, is, this was Trump keeping Fauci in charge during COVID, right? This man shouldn't have been kept in charge, but he's familiar. He runs the department, right? But even after the whole AIDS thing he pulled, why is he still in office? Why, why, does, why does he still hold that position, right? And that was what, the 70s or 80s? Mm -hmm. Late 70s, early 80s? Yeah. Exactly. So why is that man still in power? Well, he's familiar. He, just, he, know how, he knows how things work. But there's this, it doesn't matter. He's too big right? to fail. There is this, uh, God, we were, without a, we were without a speaker for what, 12 weeks, eight, eight, 10 weeks, something like this, right? And that was the second time before McCarthy got voted in. <laughs> what went wrong? What didn't happen or what did happen? Did anything fall apart? 
No, nothing fell apart. It was business as usual, right? What went wrong is they elected a speaker. <laughs> exactly. This is my point. There's this study. What is the study? Uh, I'm going to butcher it. I need to have these things available to pull up. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there is this study where um, they looked at an office and the managers didn't show up for two weeks, didn't call in. No one knew where they were. Everyone still showed up to work and still did their jobs because they were still being paid to do them. And it was more efficient. They did more work. They did more work because you took out that level of God, it's administration that I think ruins everything. I think administration ruins everything. They don't actually know what they're doing. They don't know how the job actually works. And this happened from the college ad that we don't hire people for the job. We hire the degree to run the job or nepotism, you know? And, and even then, like sometimes it's like someone just ends up getting lucky and gets a job that they're not qualified for. Mm-hmm. And then now they're managing people that they have no idea how to do the job, which is, I've always <laughs> been a proponent that like, if you end up being a manager of something, like if you end up managing people, a department, whatever it is, you should have to do the lowest job and work your way up. I've always been a proponent mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. I was a service manager in automotive, um, very as of very recently until I got out of the industry, kind of. But I, I started as a general service technician doing old changes in tires, and I worked my way up. Mm-hmm. And when I was a manager, I took damn good care of my people because I knew what position they were yeah. in. I've seen bad managers and good managers, and mm-hmm. and it just once again it reflects back to the government. You see these people who are grossly unqualified to lead anyone, let alone a, a lunch line. And we, we, we know this because they're growing up with silver spoons in their mouths and mm-hmm. in their hands and up their ass. I mean, they, they're not, they don't, they've never worked. They've never done anything. They don't know anything. They don't know how Americans live because they've never had to. So how do we expect, you know, and like, how do we expect 80 year old people to regulate the internet when their interns have to show them how to turn the computer on? It's <sighs> Pete Buttigieg is in charge of the department of transportation. The only Have trains you, that he knows about are the ones that get run on them. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> but this is this is what's this is what's going on. Sophie is currently fighting for his gun rights. Yeah. Uh, but this that's is her, where that's we her are way too. of reminding me I'm supposed to ask you questions. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll, <laughs> we'll definitely cover the gun thing. But Pete Buttigieg, did you see? Did you see? Um, who the latest SEC chairman is? No. This guy was Nancy Pelosi's top aide while she was Speaker of the House. I'm not even kidding. So this guy, who is in charge of someone who is obviously guilty of insider trading, good Lord, everyone knows it. This guy got a chair as a SEC director. <laughs> You can't make this stuff up. So the person who's supposed to investigate trades and commissions worked for someone who was violating all of the rules of the trades and commissions for the SEC. So I'm going to ask you a question before Mm -hmm. my director comes over here and smacks me. But um, (laughs) did you did you look into the 08 housing collapse, whether it be news articles or documentaries or whatever it is? Because the SEC played a big part in that. They just absolutely ignored everything that was going on and didn't give mm-hmm. a shit. 
Mm-hmm. And to your credit, what you said, all the key signs of what happened before are coming back around. Yes. And we're going to see it again. And this is yes. a key indicator of that guy. Yes. So I think what's coming up is uh, Janet Yellen is talking about unrealized capital gains. Have you heard of this concept? <sighs> yeah, and they're trying to tax it because... You know, so your property is worth so much more now because... Aren't you excited about that? Your properties were so much money. Well, that's unrealized capital gains, asshole. So that 100% increase that you saw in your property, that's an unrealized gain. Uh-huh. That's an unrealized gain. And you owe us taxes because your house is worth so much money now. That would be like your employer saying, we're going to give you a 40% raise, mm-hmm. but you pay your own insurance. Like, gee, mm-hmm. thanks. Now I'm losing money, dickhead. It's like, yeah, what's the point then? <laughs> it's like, yes, so you can't afford the home because of the taxes. BlackRock comes in and buys up all the middle class homes. I don't think they'll pull it, you know, like that completely, but I do think we'll see some of that happening to see what they can get away with. Oh, wait, was the uh, it was the towing of the water of the SEC and the banks. How much do we actually run? How much can they actually stop us from doing this? Same thing with COVID. Can we make them follow the arrows in the grocery store? Oh, look at them do it. They're doing it. We knew they would. They're towing the water right now. Yeah. And they're they're winning. They really are. We're mm-hmm. not doing shit to stop them. But yeah, some of so, us. Some of us are. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And it feels like it's a <laughs> it's a very lonely fight uh, sometimes. But um, so you are deep in the midst of a uh, gun custody battle, whether you're not, whether you're allowed to own firearms, you're not a violent felon. Um, You are not someone who has damaged, injured, or killed anyone. Um, As far as I know, which you seem like a good enough dude where I can say pretty confidently, that's not a thing. (laughs) Um, But Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dahmer had nice hair too. So I'm I'm not saying you did it. I'm just saying Dahmer had nice hair. Look, I, I've been accused of the same thing. He's too mild-mannered. He's he's too calm and well-spoken. <laughs> Something's off about him. I get it all the time. But, uh, yeah, so right, so what's, so kind of what's going on with that? Like, I mean, are you getting any headway with it? Are they just telling you to shut the hell up and do what you're told? I mean, what's wh- where are we kind of at with this? Well, um, I won. So this is – I've not shared it yet, so I'll share it here. So um, in the beginning of my trials and tribulations – um, I got rid of all of my firearms before charges came. I emptied the whole gun safe, vehicles, the whole house, had them go to a friend's house because you're not going to confiscate my firearms. And mm-hmm. I know how difficult it's to get it back. So just move them out of the house. I had a CWP in Florida, licensed to have firearms, carry them, you know, so on and so forth. Went through my whole ordeal, ended up with a nonviolent misdemeanor, right? And during this process, state of Florida said, we need your CWP license back because you were arrested for a, for a felony. So you can't have, you can't have that license, turn it in. Well, the felony was dropped. So then they sent me another piece of paper saying, well, your probation says you can't have firearms, which means you can't have that license. So send it back anyway. So sent the license back, Department of Agriculture, it's gone. Finished probation. And I'm like, all right, great. I get my guns back. I verify with my federal probation officer, hey, I can get them back today because I'm off today, right? She's like, yes, 
everything's lifted. Go get your guns. Best of luck to you. She was actually super nice. I had nothing bad to say about her. She was very polite, always cordial. So I go get my firearms, get it back to the house. I think to myself, well, now I want my CWP license back because I'm owed this thing back. And the only thing better than having a dozen firearms is two dozen firearms. I'm going to go buy more. So, <laughs> so I go to the Department of Agriculture to get my license back, and they tell me, you can't have it back. You are uh, you, you can't have them because there's a flag on your file. You were on probation. And I said, well, I understand that, but it's a misdemeanor nonviolent, and I've looked up the code. Here's the code, printed it out, showed them. And they said, doesn't make a difference. You're in the state of Tallahassee. And Tallahassee will solve this problem for you, but we can't give the license back to you. So I had a couple of friends work on some things, got a hold of a congressperson and their aides. They've asked not to be named, so I'm not going to name them. They made some phone calls. And within a couple of weeks, I got my CWP back with an apology. We're sorry. Our bad, our bad. I go to purchase a firearm. And... They deny me. They say, you can't purchase a firearm. You can't have those. They give me the paperwork. They give you that um, that number you've got to file like an appeal with and ask for permission, fingerprints, all these things. So I go through the process, right? I get my fingerprints. I send them in, ask for a reason. Never get a reason at all. Never get a reason from them. So I go, fine, then I'll appeal it. I go to appeal it, and they say, yeah, we don't have uh, we don't have that number. It's not a real number. And I said, no, it's your number. You wrote me back. You gave me what I was convicted of. My charges they are up to date. It's the same number. Never gave me reason. On top of that, I said, we don't even know. We, we don't even see your number. It's not a real thing. So then what I do is I appeal it and then also request a reason at the same time. Get the attorneys involved. I send them certified court documents, fingerprints, emails, every last little bit of information that I have. This is probably two months worth of documents I've been collecting. I scan all of that in, send everything at the same time as the appeal, right? Because whatever reason you give me, because you have to give me a reason, I've got that covered here in documentation. That happens. Two weeks later, I get a letter in the mail. They're like, well, here's a number that you can go purchase a firearm one time for. This is from the feds, right? So they give you like a specific number and you can buy as many firearms as you want one time, one time for one transaction, right? So my thinking is, well, I'm going to go buy like six more on top of this. <laughs> if I get like a one-day pass, I'm going to buy a bunch more. So I order a bunch of firearms, go back to the gun dealership. And I know that I can buy these things private. I can go to like, – there are other avenues. It's not about that. It's, it's not about principle. that. It's the principle. I should be able to buy a gun from whoever I want, whenever I want, no questions asked because there's nothing legally stopping me. So I go back when the guns come in, they run the numbers again, and they say, dude, you got blocked again. This time it's FDLE. So this is not this is not the feds. Now it's FDLE. The feds are saying you can purchase a gun. Here is your number to do it. But the FDLE, which is Florida, says, yeah, no, you can't. I get a hold of my Congress people again. Congress people say, yeah, you can't, you can't do that. It's probably just like a misunderstanding, you know, between the Department of Agriculture where you work your stuff out and the feds. And I was like, no, it kind of seems very intentional at this point, because if the government said I can buy a gun, what is the state of Florida doing? 
So two weeks go by. I get a phone call. I'm in Vegas with the wife having a great time that the FDLE has called them and said, we made a mistake. He can purchase his firearms. Our bad. Also calls my gun dealership and says, hey, give him his guns. Make sure he gets them this week, which is not something they do ever, ever. So both everything was called. I showed back up after Vegas. I picked up all of my firearms. And then just to make sure that it wouldn't be flagged again, I bought another gun the next week, went straight through, and another gun the week after, and it went straight through. <laughs> so everything seems to be just, just hunky-dory now. But that was a three- to four-month process of going through every branch of government, not saying, not taking no for an answer. The moral of this story is stand up for what you believe in. Don't just say, well, you know, the system's broken. I'm fucked. I'll never buy a gun again. I'll just go buy a private. That's not the solution because then they do it to other people. <laughs> it takes actually physically fighting them. Thanks. Thank Dickie Walnut says, thanks, head of the Department it of Agriculture, was, Nikki It Fred. was Nikki Freed. my DMs too. Nikki it Freed. was Nikki Freed who actually did all of this. I still have the letters from her office. <laughs> nice. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, it does take people like you standing up and doing the right thing and just saying, no, I'm not going to roll over and just play your game and go around you. I'm going to go fucking through you because this is the right thing. I'm someone who believes you should be able to like get on Amazon and order an AR that's, yeah. you know, full auto with, you know, a short barrel. But customers also bought, and it's like all the accessories. <laughs> customers <laughs> also bought an, a Ma Deuce or a Humvee. And do you know someone who wants to buy an M1 Abrams? Show them your Amazon list. <laughs> Anyways, uh -huh. um, here's an M249. God, be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be, um, God, I need white pants. Anyways, um, <laughs> no, it does. It really does take people standing up to fight it because um, the, a great example, another great example of it is there's a case right now in front of the Supreme Court where a guy was arrested on felony charges for having a, a, the possession of a firearm uh, while there's a restraining order placed against him. Um, and I can't remember all the details of it, but basically the question being posed to the Supreme Court is how far can states go to ban you from owning a firearm? Yeah. Can they just arbitrarily have a restraining order placed on you and you can never own firearms again? Um, and I think the other question is, is if you're a nonviolent, like even if you're a felon and you're out in the streets, should you be allowed to have a firearm? Even if you yes. are violent, because the argument is, is you've done your time, you're on the streets supposedly it's a wash so well what's going does on? prison work or not right and that is and the question <laughs> does but, prison work or not because you're telling me by imprisoning these people we are healing them and we're lessening recidivism and these people are restored and prison definitely works that's why we do the whole damn thing right so if the precipice is we use prison to cure these people then they're not sick anymore right so why do they have any of their rights infringed on why is a single one infringed on then? Unless you're because a pedo, I just don't think we should send you to prison at all. You can you can uh, come listen, right over to my house. Can... Yeah, you can come yeah. right over to my house. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying we can cure the national debt with selling pedophile hunting licenses. Um, do oh, 100, 100 bucks a season and do now three white pants. a year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a whole town in Florida. There's a whole community in Florida of just pedophiles because they just said, figure it out. And they went down there and did their own thing. Prisons like this 
So they <laughs> actually, um, no, it's it's actually very true. Mm-hmm. So especially in federal prison, they actually congregate all of the pedophiles to a handful of prisons because they're in danger if they're not all collected. Like you don't send like one into a medium or a max because they'll, it's not going to turn out well for them. So there's a handful of prisons where it's like 95% of the population are all pedos. Yeah. See, I remember there's a, there's a stint in my life where I was actually in jail. I was incarcerated for an amount of time that I'm not going to say, and I'm not going to say where, cause you can look it up. Um, <laughs> it wasn't anything crazy, but it was just, I just don't talk about it often, but, um, cause it's stupid. Um, but there was actually a point in time where they found out one of the guys in my block was a pedophile. And well, got caught. Well, he got he's a he's a pedophile, but he got caught with kitty porn on his computer. Mm. And it was like the day before I got out, and they were talking about like they were how they're going to do it, when they were going to do it. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm getting out tomorrow because they're about to fuck some shit up, and I don't want to be here for it because I'm about to yep. get out. Yep, I will tell you that's that is one thing that everyone kind of just understands. There's like one or two charges you don't you don't do, you don't do. And a lot of times, the 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 staff at the jail or the prison, if they know about it, they'll not leak it, but they'll leave indications, like because they hate these fucking people too, and they know how the system works. They see it every oh, it's, day. It's, it's, they'll they'll allow a paper party to happen, where you can look at someone's papers and figure out why they're there. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand. So, in a lot of respects, prison kind of works a lot better than our society right now. As far as understanding basic moral values and agreeing on them collectively, because we have we have college professors now. I've seen TED talks where it's it's a medical condition. People are just born and hardwired this way, and it's like I I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like I, I I don't even care. These are not things that I even care about. I why why should it matter? Because the thing that is happening is still the worst thing that could happen. I, I don't care about the explanation of it, the psychology of it. It's still happening. Yeah. They still exist. And I, for a party and, and that's so inclined to kill babies at nine months, but they want to see these people who are, they call them maps, minor attracted persons attracted defended. Persons. This is insane to me. I, I, I can't, I can't rectify the two, the two streams of thought. I support calling them maps because it's accurate for when I get done with you, you'll need a map to find all the pieces. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, in reality, like tr- prison is very animalistic jail, prison, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's still very animalistic. It's very tribal. People have their cliques. They don't deviate from that. But the moral construct of, you know, people are like, well, what do you mean in jail or moral blah, blah, blah. You do not steal from someone in jail. No, for the simple fact that they will fuck you up, they will yes. teach you the lesson of stealing shit, and then they'll steal your shit for stealing their mm-hmm. shit. You don't start shit. You don't. Run oh, forever, out. forever too. You, you do it one time, you won't have your commissary sitting in your locker, your bunk ever again. It's just gone forever. Gone. Mm-hmm. And you won't even get to it. Like someone will grab your shit and snatch it before you can get up to fucking pick your shit up. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, it is, in a lot of ways, it is. It is true. Unfortunately. There's no refurbishment of people in jails or prisons because they just send them back out into the world as a felon, and now they can't get a job, they can't get an apartment, they can't get a yes. home, and so their whole their whole life's destroyed. 
where do they go? What makes sense? What's civilized to them? Prison. Yes. So we're talking about this, and I'm I'm having this thought that there is there is a quality of life in prison that could be exercised in in the outside world that would actually make the world a lot better, right? Where it is that like you don't steal from people because there are real world consequences to doing that, right? It's not just mm -hmm. we're going to put you in prison because you go to prison like you'll learn that a lot quicker. So there is like there is a learning curve you get there, but. What we're missing from the real world versus a isolated locked up experience is in prison, no one's no one stops you from correcting the person who is doing the bad thing. You do the bad thing, you're corrected by society around you. Right? We've stopped doing that out here. We don't correct men anymore for not acting like men. We don't correct people for having these characteristics that are repulsive, we don't call them out because we don't want to, we don't want to offend people. And I think this is why our society has gotten off the rails because we don't call people out for their shit and people need to be called out for their shit. Yeah. I mean, and I hate to say it because promoting violence isn't something I typically like to do. No, I'm 100% for using violence when it's necessary. No questions asked. But I don't like saying that you should use violence. But sometimes somebody needs a smack in the fucking mouth. Sometimes somebody just needs their shit rocked. Um, like prime example of it. You remember that that it was a I can't remember what state it was in, but it was that scrawny, trashy looking white dude was mouthing off to that big black out the the <laughs> twisted tea can. Yeah, and he clocks his <laughs> shit and wears him out. Guess what? That's a primary learning environment. He just mm -hmm. taught that man a lesson better than any teacher ever could, and. Uh, hopefully, hopefully down the road, he doesn't do it again. Who knows? Maybe, maybe he's smooth brain, but it, it still comes down to sometimes you got to just punch a motherfucker in the mouth and that's just what they need. But he didn't get there overnight, right? Like this, this, this kid that showed up running his mouth, he's done that so many times. He has the confidence to do that to a complete stranger in a gas station. No one checked him day one when he was running his mouth. And I think that's the issue. We um, it's we talked about this before we went live. We talked about there was that kid who was a uh, six foot six, seventeen, who beat the absolute tar out of his teacher for taking his switch. Right, this kid's young. This kid's young, and he's going to serve a very long time because these these charges they're not reducing them. They're trying as an adult now. I feel bad for that kid. Like not as bad as I feel for the teacher, but that kid's young. And he's going to lose a decade of his life because he didn't grow up in a home that taught him differently. He didn't grow up in a culture that surrounded him that helped him not become that. And for all the public school he went through, for all of the counseling that was available, all the tax dollars and resources we had, we still couldn't keep him from becoming that person. And it's because we don't help kids early on. We don't support American values. We don't support raising families the way they need to be raised to make sure these kids don't turn out like this. And it's it's story after story. We read about this gentle giants and all of this stuff. And it's like, man, what if, what if we just said it's important to take care of our kids first and foremost? And we can't rely on the public schools and we can't rely on the neighbors. It takes all of us. See, you're doing it again. 
You're saying things that people won't like, like parents should parent their kids, not teachers. You said earlier that we've talked about a lot. I can't remember what it was. It was something we started off with, like the government shouldn't be giving money away or something, and we should uh-huh. give it to whatever. Anyways, but it still it does it does 100 like the system failed that kid, like it does a billion other kids, like because they just don't give a shit. You're you're working at the the factory, right? You're they're training you to work nine to five to punch a clock and be obedient and sit down and listen. And that's not, that's not normal for humanity. That's not, that's not a normal animalistic instinct. Um, But I mean, that's what we are. We're animals and you can't try and break that mold and expect things to go. Okay. Um, And I'm a big proponent against participation trophies. Like, Hey, you know what? You want a trophy, do better, work harder, train all summer, get there, get to that level. Um, Do what you got to do. But we, we've we've softened up as a society. You know, it was it was hard men who created easy times. Now easy times are creating soft men, and those soft men are now creating hard times. Mm-hmm. And it's the it's the cycle, and it just gets worse and worse every single day. And I just like for example, right? Like just before we got on to talk to you, we went uh, we left the gym. We went to Smoothie King for uh, Susie Q. Got her a nice little <laughs> shake. And as we're coming out, this fucking arrogant bitch, and I will say the word, parts all <laughs> up on the curb on a fire lane in front of the hookup for the fire hydrants to walk inside and go get a pizza. Mm-hmm. That that's like I'm I'm not gonna hit a woman unless she's being violent. <laughs> but like Susie, mm. <laughs> sometimes people just like it, and it's things that endanger people like that like it's so petty like she could have walked the extra 20 fucking feet from a parking spot but mm-hmm. instead she chose to endanger other people in case her piece of shit car doesn't start back well up. if you're shopping for pizza you should definitely make a stronger effort to walk further to get it <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point she could have used the extra burning of the calories before she sucks the face yeah, I, so I think there should be. Uh, God, my wife's gonna hate this. We have handicap spots that I. There are real. There are real handicap people. I think we should have handy fat spots, where if you're obese and you've eaten yourself into a coma and you have to have a cart to prop you around, your spot should be further back in the parking lot, and we'll call them handy fat spots. That's not you. a bad idea. We're going to help you. Um, and it's, you know what? I'm all for. So I actually socialized medicine is something I'm not against. I'm not against, but with very strong caveats. There's enough money that goes overseas that could be brought here to help vets, right? That have sacrificed their lives and they need health care. There should be enough money to help them in any freaking way they need. So socialized medicine for vets, I'm completely fine with that. There should be a number that takes care of them, period, whatever they need. On top of this, we have people that are born with genetic disorders, like true genetic disorders, cystic fibrosis. There's a whole thing, right? Diabetes type 1. These are Americans. They should be taken care of. Kids, same thing. We should take care of kids. Kids should not not have health care. We should take care of our kids. I'm completely fine with looking at our budget and finding money that we're already putting in to take care of these groups of people. Completely fine with all of these things. But what we have instead is Medicare fraud, Medicaid fraud that eats up all of those dollars 
that cannot help these people that I actually believe truly do need help and we should be helping. So what we need to do is talk about how we minimize that because the system already exists. I'm not talking about shutting it down, just making sure that I need it, actually get it. People who are making deleterious lifestyle choices that cause them to have medical conditions, why are we paying for this if they're not showing signs of improvement? Signs of I'm changing my lifestyle habits to make sure I'm not eating myself into a wheelchair. I'm not smoking myself into having COPD, needing chronic medication every single month. The people who have genuine psych disorders that are constantly going to the hospital, driving up costs for insurance overall. These are things we should talk about because there's enough money going in to help people who need help. It's a that, tangent, that sorry. Is, that is that is a good point because I mean, as we all remember, COVID, you know, became the unvaxxed or killing grandma. But it, because you know we're taking up all the you know all the hospital resources, blah 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 blah. But in reality, you know, I support fat shaming in the sense that you should absolutely <laughs> shame your fat friend into getting a gym membership. It's not, and it's not just about looking good. It's about being healthy and having a long, yes. productive life. And you know, obviously, you get to a point where it's bad for you. Like I'm, I'm kind of starting to get to that point in my gym life that it's going to start being worse on my knees. I'm fine with that. <laughs> but you should always push your friends into being healthier in their own life because it, number one, reduces the number of resources that they consume, whether it be through healthcare, through financial assistance, um, all these things. And all these people who are morbidly obese, rolling around on scooters like it's Wally, um, they they are eating up resources. They're not working. They're not they're not doing anything. They're sitting at home collecting two or three checks and then going to the doctor for every little ale that they have. So they their check gets bigger. And I know people in my life like that. I have family members like that. Mm -hmm. And it disgusts me. And I and I I'm not allowed to say anything because obviously, you know, family members are family members, but I do make the comments and it and it does disgust me because it's you could do better for your life, but you choose not to because the system will take care of you and people will fight for you to make sure that you stay the way that you are. So people who actually need it, like that kid in that high school who could have used some help, mm -hmm. get it. But no, they, they choose to just not do anything and people will fight for them. I just I see kids who aren't eating because of it. I see kids who aren't getting the help they need because of it. Yeah. I see resources that could be helping children and they're not getting it because we have these selfish adults who just won't go for a walk. And it, it, it drives me up a wall. And it's, there's this concept in psychology. It's the biopsychosocial model where it's your biology your um, your, um, your social status and your actual like brain functioning all of it creates the the perfectly balanced human. Exercise meets all of these things. Biologically, you're going to be healthier. Psychologically, you're producing endorphins, so you're going to feel better about yourself. Socially, you're not going to get fat shamed because you can't you can't fit in the airline seat that you paid for. They're showing videos now, like I should have to pay more for this, but apparently my luggage is two pounds overweight. It's a fifteen dollar charge, you know. It's there's a there is a there is a great benefit in exercise, and I really really think every single American can benefit from just going for a walk. Yeah, I mean, I, I fully agree. It's um, it is disgusting. I mean, if you like, I, I know you remember when when they started like a lot of airlines started coming out saying like if you're so big that you pour into another seat, you're buying two seats. You should, um, or we're not letting you on the plane. And people are like, oh, that's fashion. I'm like, no. 
Have you sat next to someone like that on an aircraft? It is not comfortable. Someone else's sweaty ass arm touching you all the time is not mm -hmm. comfortable. And yeah. it's not even about comfort. Like you don't fit. You don't seat. fit. Mm -hmm. And like they, there are people, there are bodybuilders who have to buy two seats to follow the same yes. policy because guess what? Mm -hmm. They're so big that they don't fit. It's, yes. And they're fine with easy. it. They're like, look, I'm, I'll do it. I'll, Give me three seats. You know what? Give me three seats. <laughs> yeah. But I want three steaks. Yeah. But, I mean, we do we do the same thing for roller coasters though. So I'm in Florida. We have a bunch of roller bush guards and stuff down here. They don't let these people ride the coasters because you don't fit in the seat. We didn't build these for you. And it throws the physics off of the coasters. So you can't ride. And again, this is only Not your problem. It's a safety issue. Well, it's, it's only your problem, right? And these people, it's like you're making it everyone else's problem because you didn't address your problem. And it's it's just selfish. It's just selfish. But that and that's the root of a lot of what's happening in America right now. People just, they're very center-focused and only on themselves. It's why we see a lack of the nuclear family. We see hookup culture. We see people happy not raising kids, not getting married till they're 40. It's because they're selfish people. They don't understand the greatest calling you have is raising a family. Well, being that you've gotten your guns back and you've beaten not only the state of Florida, but the federal government, and you are the only person I can think of who has spoke at the speaker's podium who has actually been brought up <laughs> on charges. Uh, is there anything you would like to tell the audience? Like one final, one final hurrah, one final. That is nice. Dad advice, if you will. Dad advice, yeah. Um, if you're dads, you've heard that, uh, God, it's everyone's heard this. It's tired. They grew up so fast. They really do. And all of the things you waste your time doing because you think it's going to matter in the long run, you know, the, the the making sure they have this thing or that thing, all these kids want is to hang out with you. They don't need things, they need time. So don't worry about the things. Don't worry about making your vacations perfect or the memories perfect or we got to be here at a certain time to do these things. Take a deep breath. Sit down with your kids. Make fart jokes. Ask them what they're into because that's how you build a relationship with them. So if, coming from a dad of five sons, we have I have the greatest time with them. But just listen to them. They, they want your time. They want your ears. Listen to them. Yeah, it's someone uh, uh, like, you know, it, it's, they don't give a shit what you're doing. They don't give a shit what you're saying. They don't care what they're saying. They just want to mm -hmm. be there and they just want to talk to you. They want to feel that connection. Mm -hmm. Like Dickie, for example, Dickie Walnut says, who says you can't have kids and have fun? I bring my six month old all to the bar all the time with me. As you should. <laughs> As you, That's quality family time. If it's if he's six months old, dude, like you should be at a bar. Yeah. <laughs> you got to sleep sometime. Well, <laughs> Every look, everybody's on a bottle at that point. Why not, right? Oh God! So there's this moment when you're raising babies, and it's like in between, like six weeks after they're born and about nine months, you should go out then because you can put them the bottle. You can bottle and they'll go right to bed. Go date then. Go take your wife out then. Go date her then. Because after like that nine month, it just gets really difficult to take them out because they're awake now. And they just, they're very difficult to manage. Dickie also says the waitresses love him. 
they babysit him when I'm there. I feel like this is a Hispanic bar and it's all Latino waitresses. <laughs> Inside joke, Dickie really loves Hispanic women and is married to an Asian woman. So it's 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 a whole joke with him. But um, <laughs> hey, Dickie, <laughs> Dickie is just a joke. I mean, let's just let's be honest. Love you, but you're a joke, dude. No, I'm just <gasps> Irish pub. Quit hitting on my girl, bro. Is that Beef O'Brady's? Is that a traditional Irish pub? Does that count? <laughs> what do you think, babe? What? Is Beef O'Brady's a traditional Irish pub? No. She's she's so Bennigan's then or Irish Bennigan's or what are we? Uh, what's the backup for this? It's so, I think it's O'Malley's. I think they have a red coat bar that Irish people really love. What? Yeah, the red coat bar. What? Yeah. Red coat what? Red coat bar. Red coat bar. Yeah, it's a, it's a British bar for Irish people. We don't know. We don't. Oh, sure. Sure, sure. The Irish don't love the British. I'm like having a problem. Oh, does she know what a boiler maker is? I'm sure. Do you know what a boiler maker is? Yeah. Yes. She was a bartender for a while. And okay, a so I was not I a went, stripper. I was not I a stripper a, ever. I went to an Irish pub. Not once. And I asked for a boilermaker. It was six o'clock in the morning. It was at an airport, so don't judge me. Uh, and this guy running the Irish pub had no idea what it was. And I was very frustrated with like, how do you not know what a boilermaker is? This is an Irish pub. So I'd explain it to him. Oh, you mean an Irish car bomb? And I was like, I don't think those are the same thing. Are those the same thing? Does she know? Because I'm pretty sure they're different. Irish car bomb, boiler maker. Same thing or different? Different. She says different. What's car, the difference? The car bomb must be a Guinness, and it must be a certain shot. Whereas a boiler maker can just be a cold beer and shot, and typically it's just whiskey. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So, like I mean, technically, they could end up being the same thing. Yeah, but no one on purpose is finds uh, Guinness and Jameson and Bailey's refreshing. You know what I'm saying? Yes, exactly. So, a Boilermaker is give uh, just whatever your house is, put that together. Because it's an airport and it's going to be $36 regardless. Makes sense. Yeah. Airports are the worst and best places to get drunk. I worst because they're expensive. <laughs> best because you're not driving. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, good stuff. It's worse when you sit down at the bar next to your pilot, but hey, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Are they still flying those things? I mean, they, I'm pretty sure they just press a button and you there's like some magic that happens and then you, you land. I don't think I don't think planes are real. I don't. I think the guys with the cones are actually wizards that are casting like spells <laughs> on the jets that make them go. It's, I think it's, it's all Harry Potter world, but we just don't know it. Exactly. It's like Levioso with the with the planes, and then they go off because they don't make sense to me. It's like, what is it, six tons worth of steel? They're repelling through air, but it floats. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's also strapped to like four rockets. So, I mean, it's yeah, that were built back in like the the early '80s. Do you know when you walk on a plane? If you look on the inside of the boarding door, there is this plate up top. And it's got like a SKU made. number. And if you, it'll tell you what year it was made. Most of these planes are from the 80s. Yeah. 
and they're shooting you through the air. I mean, Very it's, quickly. it's better than the ATF agent shooting me through the window. <laughs> they get your dog first. That's the warning shot. <laughs> That's, hey, I've always loved dogs because they're loyal and they, they draw the ATF off. There you go. There. <laughs> That's awful. That's when I unleash the bear. The actual black bear that I keep in the bathroom. This is good. We have goldfish. <laughs> we had gold. Yeah. Is that what you call it? <laughs> well, yeah. There's just some gimp chained up to your toilet. <laughs> Look, he hasn't. Ha- he, he's a he's a meth addict. He hasn't had any in like six months. He will eat the whole through a steel beam. You don't give a shit right now. Oh, that's Joe, amazing. Joe, shut up. Joe. Joe Biden. Ew. Uh, Ew. Yeah. He's a gimp. Yeah. Well, I have to finish building a ziggurat for my child tomorrow. So yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn in. Well, sir, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I do appreciate the the time that you've given us. Um, where can people find you if they want any more, you know, information on you, or they just want to see what you got to say, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, I just got my Facebook account blocked for some reason, so I'm not there. Um, I'm never on Instagram. I am exclusively on Twitter or X, as Elon likes to call it. I still think it sounds kind of pornish, so I'm going to call it Twitter. But my handle is at the bottom here, at Lectern Leader. You can find me there. My man, I appreciate you. Hope you have a good night. And good luck on building that thing. I had to, you, you texted me that, and I was like, what the hell is that? I had to look it up. I felt like an idiot. It's a ziggurat. Yeah. It is. <laughs> the picture is exactly what they showed on Google when I looked it up. So, Yeah. Oh, I'm almost done. I got two more layers of stairs to build, and I got to paint the whole thing with him. And it's going to be a good time. Good. Well, uh, I hope you all enjoy it and uh, hope you have a good night. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Chris. See you, buddy. Well, that was a lot of fun. That was worth the wait. We've been talking about this episode for what, about a month and a half now? Yeah. Oh, it was a good time. It was great, informative. We had a really good discussion. I know you didn't like how few questions there were, but you know. Honestly, like the whole, I'm more, this is your show. I'm more of like an interview person. I like to like, hear about people we did that before the episode i'm still just as happy um overall he's i love how non-political he is he's just like what makes sense these are the fundamentals this is what's important this is how i live and that's it he's not out there trying to like sell himself he's very the everyman yeah he's very in his community he just happens to be in one of the most amazing photographs of all time. It's such a beautiful fucking photo. Yeah. Like, I could pay a million dollars and never get a photo of this like fucking good. Poster child, like the teeth, the hair, the... He's just... You, you like the hair. I'm, like, I'm, a I'm never going to leave you in a room with him. You'll just shave his hair off and wear it. Well, that's creepy, but... You would do it. If he makes those products, <laughs> if he makes those products I'm buying them. Because oh. your girl needs some help. Just, 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 come on, Jada. Be my Jada. Shave your head with me. We'll do it. Never. I'll slap Chris Rock. It'll be a good time. I'm blind people with this dome. You fucking crazy? That's big head. <laughs> Anyways, don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. Um, the more subscribers, uh, the better fan base I get. I don't know. That's I was going to make something up. But no, in all honesty, um... An unfortunate truth is the more traction you have on social media, whether it be Twitter or YouTube, the more subscribers you have, the better interviews you get because 
all honesty, a lot of people won't look at you if you're under a certain number. And I do want to get better guests on. I do want to have, you know, a, a more diverse uh, audience to draw from to give to you guys so that y'all have better content. So go subscribe. Go go hit the notification bell. Um, it's free to do. It costs you literally nothing. Um, I do all of this out of my pocket, out of Susie's pocket. And, you know, if you can just hit the subscribe button, that's that's awesome. I don't want I'm not begging. But please. <laughs> Anyways, um, I just realized all the people we have on or want to have on, the feds hate, and it almost is like, are we ever going to get in? Well, look, we have people on that the feds hate because the feds hate us. So it's like we're going to hang out. Also, I've had cops on here before. We also had a prison guard on once. Oh, true that. True that. This is before your time. Yeah. Um, this was the uh, the the days of Mr. Will and myself. But look, it's not day in a three way. All right. Uh, Anyways, ladies, gentlemen, um, and all of you confused potato farmers out there, we love you. We need you. Your community needs you more than we do. So go, go join your community. Anyways, catch you on the flip side. Peace.